I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello everyone and welcome along to this episode of the La Liga Lowdown podcast, also rebroadcast on Sirius XMFC 157. I'm your host, Jim McTeer, and I'm excited to talk all about match day two of the 2020-2021 La Liga season. We've got so many really cool storylines coming up and various contributors who are experts in different La Liga clubs. But we're going to start off with the defending champions with Real Madrid. They had match day one off because last season finished later for them than it did for most. But Zidane's men were back for match day two. They weren't at their brilliant best though. They could only manage a 0-0 draw away at Real Sofidad. By the end of the season, that might not actually be such a bad result. Remember, Real Sofidad are a quality, quality side. But of course, Real Madrid wanted to start with a win. They weren't able to, and we're going to get into the ins and outs of what happened with football journalist and Real Madrid fan Emily Wilson. Welcome Emily. The big talking point going into this match was Martin Odegaard who started for Real Madrid on his return to Real Sociedad where he'd been on loan last season. Were you surprised to see him start and how do you think he did? I wasn't too surprised Martin Odegaard started tonight. Even though he wanted another season on loan, Zidane brought him back for a reason. So I think playing him right away is the best way to get him comfortable as quickly as possible. Tonight, he had a decent performance, which is positive to see. It took a bit of time for him to get into the game, but eventually his central role helped move the team forward. Overall, a good outing for the Norwegian. Yeah, I agree that he was good, but in order to fit Odegaard in, Zidane had to sort of change up his formation. What did you think of the 4-2-3-1 and the absence of Casemiro? I didn't mind the change in formation tonight. I assume there will be a few different options in the beginning of this season before Zidane can find something that works, especially with such strong midfield options in Cruz, Modric, Casemiro, Odegaard and Valverde. Figuring out how to make those five fit is going to be difficult, so we could see some varying formations. Casemiro on the bench was a surprise though, and that left Cruz to fill his spot. In the end, I think it worked out okay, but at times the German looked a bit uncomfortable, so we might not see it in the future. Real Madrid started the match really well, but Real Sofidad grew into the game, so do you think the draw was a fair result in the end? I think a nil-nil draw is fair, yeah. Madrid looked really good in the first half, just unfortunate not to have found the back of the net. But I think after Courtois' save just before half, 
it was really important because you could tell Real Sociedad were really growing into the match and they proved it by testing Zidane's men in the second. So to be fair, a point each serves both of these teams pretty well. It's another clean sheet for Real Madrid, just like when they finished last season so strong defensively. And this was in large part because Rafael Varane was really good. This was his first game since the horror show against Manchester City. So how important was it for him to have a good performance? It's really funny how so many people assumed Rafael Varane was going to implode after that match against Manchester City. It was a terrible match, yes, but he addressed the issues immediately and took responsibility. I mean, Varane by nature is a true leader and he wouldn't dip in form just from a one-off poor performance. Tonight's match was a strong one, and if anything, it was a great way for the Frenchmen to bounce back, possibly regain any lost confidence, if there even was any lost confidence. Overall, it was another solid performance, and I don't see there being any concerns moving forward. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Some of the reaction to that one-off nightmare from Varane at Man City was overblown. Now, there were a couple of youngsters who came on for Real Madrid in this one and got their debuts. Sergio Arribas came on, well, almost too late to make an impact. He came on in stoppage time. But what did you think of Marvin Park, who got 20 minutes? I thought Marvin Park did okay. I mean, Zidane handed him a debut in a game where the team really needed a breakthrough. So that shows the coach has confidence in his abilities. Tonight, he positioned himself well, which shows how he approaches a game, but he just lacked any results, couldn't find that last touch to move towards a goal. So tons of room for improvement. I mean, he's only 20 years old. It was his first debut with the senior team, so lots to work on, but he seems promising. And finally, what are your expectations for the season as a whole? Are you confident? It's important not to be naive. Defending this La Liga title will be tough for Real Madrid. No matter what's happening at other clubs, this is a competitive league and finding positive outcomes after every match consistently is going to be really difficult. But as the team showed last year, they're a determined bunch. No team's goal is to win the league and then drop off by any means. They're definitely going to put up a fight to make it back-to-back league titles. But if tonight's performance is any indication at how the season might go, I'm confident that they're going to be putting up a fight to make it back-to-back wins. Thank you, Emily, for the insight there. We'll see how Real Madrid get on as the season really picks up pace. For now, though, they're a point ahead of their most likely title challengers because Barcelona, Atletico Madrid and Sevilla still aren't back from their extended summer breaks. They'll return next weekend. Elche too, but I'm sorry, Elche fans, I can't even come close to mentioning Elche in the same sentence as the term title challengers. Before we move on from Real Madrid, though, I think we do need to mention the big transfer story of the summer so far. Gareth Bale is leaving the club and returning to Tottenham. He's left on loan, although really it's like he's already left completely. He leaves with highs and lows, with four Champions Leagues, but... Having missed 36.3% of the matches Real Madrid played in those seven years there, perhaps the best man to sum up his Real Madrid career is Bale himself. So here's a clip from when he spoke to Peter Crouch over the weekend in an interview with BT Sport. How, how do you sum up your time at Madrid? Like, um, I was speaking to you, you know, you enjoyed the city, you loved the, the club and you've won everything there. Yeah. Uh, how would you sum up your time there? No, I've, I've enjoyed it. I think, um, as you said, I, I've said before, I love living there. My family's settled. Mm. My kids are happy. 
Um, and, I, and, I, and I've enjoyed being at the club. Obviously, there's ups and downs at every club, wherever you go. Um, maybe the highs have been incredibly high and the lows maybe a bit, a bit lower. But um, no, I've enjoyed my time there. I enjoyed playing for, for Real Madrid and, and, and achieving what we achieved, achieving what I achieved. And, um, but yeah, it's time for the next chapter in my career. Something I'm looking forward to coming back here. And um, yeah, I want to continue to win trophies and I want to do it with Tottenham. So uh, mm. yeah, it's just looking forward to the next part now and uh, to try and kick on. Now, let's take a look at one of the most entertaining matches of match day two. As part of our sore throat game of the week segment, this is where we look at one of the crazier games of the weekend and we look at the wild commentary that it produced. This week, that game is Celta Vigo versus Valencia, where the home side won the game 2-1 thanks to a superb Iago Aspas. Roman de Arquer is going to talk us through that game now with the Cadena Copi commentary. Take it away, Roman. Celta de Vigo and Valencia, two teams with a long season ahead, met at Balaidos on Saturday night in what would be an action-packed game with 31 shots between both teams. But it was Celta that went ahead first in the 15th minute after Nolito managed to dribble past four Valencia players to then slip the ball between Diacabi and Paulista for Iago Aspas to dribble past Jaume Domenech and score. At first it was disallowed for offside, but after VAR's check it was finally given. Nolito, Aspas, 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 gol de Aspas, gol, fuera de juego, fuera de juego, vamos a tener que revisar, bueno, pues el juego está detenido, da gol, gol, Celta would head to the dressing room in front, but barely one minute into the second half, Vas put in a low cross into the box that Maxi Gomez whacked into Ivan Villar's top right-hand corner. There was nothing the keeper could do, and Maxi decided not to celebrate against his former team. Eleven minutes later, Celta got the decisive 2-1, thanks again to who else but Thiago Aspas, with a majestic free kick he bent in far away from the keeper's reach. From there on, Celta had the better chances but were incapable of finishing off a Valencia who would put them home team under pressure in the last few minutes, but with no luck. Thank you Roman. So it's a good result for Celta Vigo who have moved on to four points at this early stage. At the very top of the table though, we have Granada and Real Betis who each have 100% records and six points each. We're going to have a discussion about each of those sides after the break. That's in part two. Coming up in just a moment. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome back to our La Liga Lowdown Match Day 2 episode. It was a really fun weekend of action in my view and we of course covered it all on Twitter at La Liga Lowdown. We are on Twitter if you want to follow the account to keep up with each match day as it's going on. We're going to talk about the league leaders now. That's Granada and Real Betis, each on six points. Let's start with Real Betis who had a very disappointing season last year when they finished 15th. They also conceded the second most goals in the whole league with 60, but they won 1-0 against Alaves last weekend and then 2-0 against Real Valladolid this weekend. So two clean sheets to start off. David Whitworth is a Real Betis fan and expert and joins us now. David, just simply how impressed have you been so far, especially with the defensive improvement? Well, two wins from two and two clean sheets. More pleasing for me is the, the clean sheets aspect, certainly in, in light of last season when Betis were very, very porous. It's clear that Manuel Pellegrini has worked very, very hard on the defence because barring Claudio Bravo, it's the same back four from, from last year. But it's evident that they've worked really, really hard to make sure that they've corrected those errors. And absolutely, we look much more a solid unit and very assured at the back and it bodes well for the future obviously it's only two games in but uh, you can't do better than two wins and most pleasing like I said are those two clean sheets because it gives confidence to the attackers as well that we're keeping clean sheets so they can go out and do their bit up front as well You mentioned Claudio Bravo specifically there how important has he been in improving the defence not just because He's a great goalkeeper, but also he really looks like he's organising the defence with his veteran know-how. Certainly the signing of Claudio Bravo has brought a lot of assuredness and a lot of confidence to the back four. Like I just mentioned, it was a, a very porous defence last year for Betis. But with the signing of someone who has brought Champions League experience to a team that very much needed uh, the confidence and the communication of someone like him, it's already rubbing off on, on the back four. And Betis have not just signed a very good goalkeeper for La Liga, they signed a very good communicator and a very good leader as well. He is basically the eyes and ears of Manuel Pellegrini on, on the field. And it shows because the defence are a lot more together, a lot more solid. 
and you can hear him barking out instructions, ordering the men around. He's the, obviously Joaquin being the leader, but he is the, uh, well, the leader without the uh, the captain's armband. He's made a massive difference to the, uh, to the back four and to the team in general. Uh, his first game against Alaves played fantastically well, uh, made those two fantastic saves. And in the game against Bayadolith, what he needed to do, he was there and he did it uh, very capably as well. So uh, Claudio Bravo has been a, a terrific signing for, for Betis and it's showing with the assuredness that he's showing uh, his fellow colleagues on, on the field. Mm-hmm. And what's the mood among Betis fans right now? Is Manuel Pellegrini already winning over the fan base? A fan base that has quickly grown frustrated with some of the previous coaches. There's no doubt that Betty's fans will be very, very happy with what I would say is the best transfer signing of the summer. Not the players that we've brought in on the field, the best signing we've made has been Manuel Pellegrini. Every time he's been in La Liga, he's been a success and bodes well for for the future with, with Real Betis for sure. You can't do better than the two wins from the two games, but not just that. I saw all the the preseason games of of Betis, and we won all of them. And even then, you could start to see that there's something forming with the team, uh, completely different to last se- last last season. Uh, unity. Um, uh, the team are very much more assured. They know uh, their positions on the field. Um, they don't play like strangers um, and they're bringing the buzzword for us which is stability something that Betis have hardly ever had and uh, Betis look a very very stable team at the moment uh, the last two games we've played the exact same 11 which is always uh, a good sign of continuity and it's evident um, that apart from Claudio Bravo this is the same team as last year and yet it looks a completely different team and I mentioned the word team because that's what we are yet last season we were just a bunch of individuals who look lost on the field but now the players look like they know what they should be doing they are keeping it simple when they need to keep it simple and also they're passing the ball well, uh, very well at uh, times triangulating making some good forward movements uh, back four looking solid and all great hallmarks of a, of, a, of, a, of a good team. Yes, it really does look like a good team. Got to agree with everything David just said there. It's promising times for Betis and it's been a while since you could say that. Next week, it's Real Madrid at home for them, so that will certainly be one to look out for. Another team who have started the season brilliantly are Granada. Not only have they won their first two La Liga matches, 2-0 against Athletic Club and 2-1 against Alaves, but... They also went away to Albania in the middle of that and won their first ever UEFA match, 4-0, away at Toyota Dures. They were just amazing and they're doing it all with a coach in Diego Martinez who won't even turn 40 until December. He's built a fun side but also one that can grind out results against awkward teams when needed as they showed against Alaves in match day 2. Diego Martinez actually is younger than one of the players who played in La Liga this past weekend, a player who made his top flight debut at the age of 41 years and 114 days. That's Cadiz goalkeeper Alberto Cifuentes, who I guess you could call a late bloomer. He's been in top division squads before with Mallorca way back in the early 2000s, but he never started at the top division, and then he went down to the lower levels and worked his way up. He joined Cadiz in the third tier 
and now he's made it with them to the top level of Spanish football. And he got a clean sheet, so Fuentes didn't have to pick the ball out of the net as his Cadiz team defeated fellow newly promoted side Huesca 2-0 on Sunday. So congrats to him, that's quite a story. Now, considering there were only seven fixtures this weekend, that means there are only two more matches that we've not discussed yet. One of them is Atafi, who actually have a 100% record as well, just like Granada and Real Betis. It's just that they've only played one game. After sitting out match day one, they returned against Osasuna and earned the most Atafi-ish of results. A 1-0 win, thanks to Jaime Matagol. There was also a victory for Villarreal after they had something of a false start in match day one. This time around, they hosted Ibar, and even though they went behind Takiki Garcia goal, they fought back well, and Gerard Moreno scored one of his own and then set up Paco Alcacer for the winner. So Unai Emery has his first win as Villarreal coach. Up next for them is Barcelona and the Camp Nou. Now, to finish this week's matchday recap, we're going to talk about Barcelona. They didn't have a La Liga match this weekend since they're one of the four teams who won't be back until match day three, but that doesn't mean there wasn't big news coming out of Barcelona. There always is these days. We learned this week that a motion of no confidence against President Josep Maria Bartomeu and his board was successful. To pass, this motion needed the support in signature form of at least 16,521 Barcelona Sofios or members in English. They surpassed that by a lot with 20,687. And we're going to speak to one of those now. We've got Mikhail Gaidek here. And what's special about Mikhail's vote is that he lives in Poland. He flew to Barcelona to submit his signature and to help other Poland-based members to submit theirs. Mikhail, can you explain to us why you did what you did? Yeah, of course. Uh, basically, uh, when the motion of no confidence started, there was an information that there uh, was to be an official point of recollection of the of the signatures in Poland. Uh, but uh, basically, uh, the time went by and uh, there was no point. Uh, there was some uh, bureaucratic issue, I guess, with having a a local or a, like a bar or a, an office or whatever, I started to worry that it was impossible to actually sign in Poland, even though it was possible to sign in very uh, many European countries, and even not European, because I, I also saw people signing in Chile, for example. So anyway, I decided to uh, buy the tickets to Barcelona and uh, to go there to sign myself, and if possible, uh, to also bring back uh, some cards for uh, for signatures for other Polish socios. Uh, the problem was that uh, basically right now there is a prohibition of direct flights between uh, Poland and Spain. But uh, what I did uh, was to go by bus to Berlin and fly from Berlin, come back to Berlin and then come back by train to, to Warsaw. Uh, fortunately, eventually it turned out that the cards to, to sign the motion did arrive to Poland, but they did arrive on Friday afternoon, basically, so just a few hours before I was already scheduled for, for leaving to Berlin, uh, so I went anyway. And of course, uh, we were organizing the, the collection of the votes of the signatures uh, in Poland here in, in Warsaw mainly, but also in other Polish cities. 
such as Krakow and Poznań. It's really impressive what you did, not only for the signatures you managed to get through, but because I think the media coverage of your trip encouraged some Barcelona-based Sofios to go out and vote as well, because going out to vote wasn't so simple, even for local Sofios. The campaign took place during a pandemic, of course, so it's especially impressive to have gathered so many signatures, but it's not over yet though. The next step is for Barcelona to organise the vote of no confidence referendum. There, at least 10% of members must vote and two-thirds must vote against the current board. Do you think this will go all the way? Well, first of all, I hope there will be no referendum because, as you said, uh, the fact of recollection of uh, so many signatures basically already shows you and should show the president and the board what are uh, the intentions of the socios, what are uh, their opinions uh, towards himself and his board. So if I were him, I believe I would resign already because uh, otherwise, if the referendum is held, he would be probably, probably he would be the first president ever to be uh, to be dismissed uh, by uh, by a referendum, by a popular vote of socios. Uh, so this is uh, what I honestly hope and expect. And other than that, I really don't have a clue how they are going to organize it because uh, there are elections scheduled for, for March next year. And they only said that uh, after deliberations with the health office of, uh, of Catalonia, they decided to organize it in the following way. Uh, First of all, there will be there would be a vote if not for the for the referendum, which I hope will be successful. There would be a vote uh, spread uh, within uh, within two days instead of just one, uh, as it happened always. Uh, second of all, there would be uh, a lot of different places when you could place your vote uh, in entire Spain, uh, whereas up till now it was only possible in Barcelona always. And third. Uh, there would be a possibility of voting by mail, uh, which also never happened. So I suppose this is these are some guidelines also for the uh, organization of referendum because basically it's the very same process as the uh, as the elections. You just have to fill in a card and uh, express your opinion. But uh, well, they have to get an authorization of the health of the public health office for that, and so on and so forth. So it's quite challenging. And answering your question directly, well, I believe uh, that uh, the success of the possible referendum depends very much on the conditions uh, in which it is held. Because if it will be only one day uh, in Barcelona, it would be a total mess. And uh, well, it would be difficult probably to reach the, the quorum of the, of the 10%. And if it's organized as it should be, uh, basically giving the socials right to to, the part, to participate, well, I'm pretty sure that it would work just fine for us. You mentioned the March elections just there. So some critics, at least in some sectors of the Catalan media, have asked, what's the point of bringing this motion against Bartomeu now when he's on the way out anyway? What would you say to that? Is it more about an emotional victory than a practical one? No, I, I think that, that uh, well, of course, it is an emotional victory, but uh, it is also a practical victory, in my uh, in my opinion. I'm a lawyer, and uh, basically I see a lot of points uh, which could be done by Bartomeu from here up till March, 
first of all, first of all, uh, people seem to remember, seem, seem to forget, or or just don't know, that even if the elections are held in March or in April, the board doesn't resign until the end of June. They have to finish their their fiscal year, which ends in June, and they are still uh, capable of making all the decisions for the club, even though there is already the the successor elected. So that's why always the elections uh, up till now were uh, were organized in June, so that this process of transition was shorter. But even if the elections are organized in March, I repeat, Bartomeu will stay as a president of Barcelona until the end of June. So it's not just a few months, it's a lot more. Uh, this is first thing. The other thing being that uh, in the end of October, there is scheduled a uh, Socius Compromissaris meeting, the, the assembly, in which uh, the past financial, uh, the annual reports for the last season and the budget for the for this season are to be approved. And not approving them, well, would be a huge problem for Bartomeu. And that's why I suppose he wants to stay in the office at least until this uh, assembly is, is held. Uh, other than that, of course, uh, well, we have a general transfer window, for example, uh, which also, if we uh, let Bar- if, Bar- if Bartomeu goes now, someone else would take care of it, fortunately. And last but not least, well, Lionel Messi is able to sign a contract with whichever club he wants, starting from first uh, of January, and I prefer for him to take this to make this decision uh, after the president is changed and maybe some sporting project which he demanded uh, starts to form. So I believe there are very many practical reasons, and I do not agree that uh, it is just a formality or uh, emotional victory because uh, basically a lot of harm may be done uh, by Bartomeu uh, starting from now and ending in June. Interesting stuff and thanks again to Mikel for coming on the podcast for more about the problems at Barcelona just now and why exactly Barcelona fans are fed up with Bartomeu. Have a look on Squawker's YouTube channel for a video that La Liga Lowdown's own Roman de Arquer made about the problems at the Camp Nou. For now, my thanks go out to Mikel Gaidek for coming on and talking to us to Roman de Arker too for his contribution in part one, to Emily Wilson for telling us about Real Madrid, and to David Whitworth for delivering the lowdown on Manuel Pellegrini's Real Betis. I've been your host, Jim McTeer, and I thank you for listening, and remember that we'll be back at the same time next week to talk about match day three, the first round of the season where all 20 teams will be in action. So speak to you then. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees. 
supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier. All built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more. 